want to go to there. Snipe! Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, yes. 30 Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's kind of implied, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, put hearts, get Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, it is negative degrees here. Not wind chill. It's crazy cold in Chicago. How is it by you? Welcome to winter, bitches. Uh, for the listeners' benefit, earlier I was talking about how it had been negative 14 degrees Fahrenheit here in Chicago yesterday. And he was like, oh yeah, it's normal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's just shutting down all of Chicago. Yeah, well, you guys aren't used to this. That's just adorable. I like to think we're pretty hardy in Chicago, but, uh, you know, whatever. Apparently it's not, you know, dramatic enough for, for our Canadian brethren. Uh, how has how the end of 2013 and the beginning of 2014 been treating you, Simon? Uh, it's been quiet. I've been appreciating just how quiet it is, except for, of course, the, the howling hell winds outside. <laughs> Details, you know, details. It's been much the same, much the same by me. Uh, let, let's get into a long batch of listener feedback. Obviously, with our end of the year podcasts for the past two weeks, we haven't had a chance to 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 discuss your guys' feedback and kind of respond to all of that. So we're going to be having a significant chunk of it here at the, at the top, and then we'll go into our week in TV, and then we'll round things up this week with our 2014 preview for all the, the new network shows and talk a, a little bit about some of our returning favorites. I know there's a couple you're excited for, Simon. But first, let's kick things off with our listener feedback. So we heard from a bunch of you guys on Twitter, at the, fa at the website, all of that. Let's start with the comments at the website. First, from Swan Ronson. That is an awesome name. Well done, sir. Uh, he says, uh, I like you guys and listen to the podcast regularly, but you seem oblivious to why most people don't like Spartacus, so let me lay some devil's advocate explanations on you. The series contains some of the most misogynist writing on TV. You can't really call yourself a feminist and like this series that presented the graphic serial rape of women as entertainment. Not just entertainment to Roman elites, but entertainment to Stars' audience. I've heard all the excuses, but they don't hold water. Stars has a reputation for sleaze for a long, very long time now, so they haven't earned the goodwill to give them the benefit of the doubt. If a respected network with a history of at least some class was doing this, then they might have earned that leeway, possibly. But this is not the case here. It's also often said, quote, but it got better later. That was just early episodes. But only critics and a few others think that way. The show is the show. It has its own episodes. Shows don't start at the end of season one. So frankly, I'm very surprised that Kate or Mo Ryan, to name two prominent fans whom I respect, would touch the series with a 10-foot pole. Despite that, I enjoyed the podcast. Keep up the good work and congrats on a good year. So first of all, thank you, Swan Ronson, for listening and having that awesome name. And I actually think there's several really good points in here. Specifically, the, the notion that a show doesn't actually begin at the end of season one once it has all of its you know, figured out. But you have to actually think about what the entirety of a show is, even the early struggles. I think that's, there's a lot interesting there. That being said, I completely disagree with, with your take on Spartacus, obviously, or I wouldn't be such a fan of it. Uh, Simon, uh, wh what, are you, what are you hearing in that? What do you want to respond to? 
there's a couple of things. First of all, my memory of Spartacus season one is not what it once was, but I seem to recall slaves of both sexes being involved in uh, non-consensual consensual, um, sexual activity. So I don't really see that as an issue of feminism so much as humanism. I don't think of Spartacus as a feminist show. I think of it as a humanist show. Uh, so I don't really see that as an issue. It also, it makes me think of this whole debate that's come up, uh, Ari, the Wolf of Wall Street, which I know, Kate, you haven't seen, but it doesn't really matter if you have or not, this whole idea that by depicting certain behaviors and not having someone peek their head in and wag their finger at us, or by not having the right music cues, they're not doing enough to say, this is wrong. Or I guess in the case of Spartacus, people may see that and think, oh, they're just trying to be titillating. But I never thought of the way they depicted that stuff as being uh, oriented in particular against or um, in favor of one sex or another. Like you said, I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, so I can't comment on that that parallel. In season one, there is... Uh, there's a lot of of sexual politics and there are a lot of instances of Batiatis and uh and his wife using incorporating slaves into their sexual games and 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 play and all of that and the first season puts you in their perspective so we don't spend time with those slaves we spend time with the gladiators but for the most part we're not ever really shown their perspective and uh and so we are, they are just treated as as objects and so i can see absolutely where where swan ronson is coming from but then the thing is by the when you get to towards the end of the season that shifts and all of a sudden it, it, what i enjoy about the way that they do it is that they they make the viewer uh somewhat culpable and and when you're watching the beginning of the season you're not really thinking about at least i wasn't really thinking about these other people who are being clearly just abused and raped and all of this by these people but the, over the course of the first season that shifts and there's there's significant comeuppance for for the house of batiatis this is not something that is presented as a good or healthy or condoned uh, set of behaviors right and I, and i think that's where you have to draw the line which yes there is the the notion that you, when you consider a series, you have to consider all of it, not just when it starts to get good. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But at the same time, you can't isolate certain episodes and, and say, you know, this is problematic or this is immoral or unethical without considering where those storylines are headed. Because they may just, you know, then you, you get the, the David Simon thing of this may have a point that you we haven't gotten to yet. So maybe just wait a second. Well, you know? and, and that ties in with the, the notion presented in this comment uh, of of trusting a network or trusting a creator and for this listener stars is not a network they respect so they they don't trust their instincts they're not willing to give them leeway and i would imagine that the the showrunner is you know and the creative forces behind the show are not people that are known to or respected by this listener. And so they're not necessarily willing to give them the benefit of the, the doubt and go with that. I would say you right. should, really shouldn't hold stars against Spartacus. So just because you don't like other shows on stars doesn't mean that Spartacus isn't a good show. Just like I would say, just because a show is on HBO or on, on, on Showtime or another premium cable network that you do like, it doesn't mean that it's a better show. And, and so I, I see where they're coming from with not necessarily trusting that 
that company or that network or that production team yet, but I, I specifically wouldn't hold something against a team that you are not familiar with. Yeah, I think I think we all have that sort of confirmation bias happening whenever. I mean, I know that I have certain biases when you know FX announces a new drama. You know, I'm more ex- I'm 25 percent more excited about it than I would have been had the exact same project been announced at some other network. Usually, mm-hmm. and generally that pans out well. But sometimes it's you know that's not how it goes, and because you know reality intervenes. So you know we we. We all have to check our biases sometimes. Absolutely. And the last thing I will say is is that, uh, first of all, thank you for the respectful uh, comment, Swan Ronson. Uh, there are far less respectful ways that that, that point could have <laughs> been made. That could have been expressed. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, so, and, and I, I completely, you, like like I said on, um, on the podcast, I don't understand people not watching Spartacus because they look at it and go, oh, it's just like 300. I think that is bullshit. But this is not a show for everyone. This is definitely not a show for everyone. So so there are plenty of reasons to not watch Spartacus. And if you are overly troubled by the depiction of of uh, of, of sexuality and uh, the treatment of, of the characters on there, then that, that's fine. It may not be a show for you. I think it's actually, like you said, a very humanistic show. And I think it has all, all the female characters, once they're able to have... Uh, have more of their own identity and agency. I think they're all very strong and, and developed and uh, interesting and nuanced characters. So I, I actually think it's a very feministic show and humanistic more than anything else show. So I am actually completely on the opposite end of the spectrum from you, Swan Ronson, but I do think it's a valid point and one worthy of discussion. Yes. Our next comment is from Austin, who wanted to know, is there something I'm missing? Did you guys not like Mad Men this year or something? It was another brilliant season full of surprises and character and cool haircuts. I would put it in the top three for sure, even if it wasn't as amazing as last season. And I know this is a sentiment that was expressed to us by several different people. Why wasn't Mad Men in our top 10 or top 20? And uh, for me, I didn't want to speak for you, Simon. I I responded at the website that... I respected Mad Men for the most part this season, but I kind of hate Don, so I didn't really like it. So when I was making going through and making my list, I started with, did I really like this season? And it didn't make that cut. So it didn't end up in my top 50, even though it's obviously a really well-made show. It wasn't in your top 50? Yeah, because I went through the first the way I, the way I approached my list was, when I think of this season, do I, do I immediately think, yeah, I really like that. When I think of Mad Men, I think, son of a beasting, they're doing the same stupid thing with Don again, where he seems like he's learned his lesson and then he's going to regress again. But like I, I think of frustration when I think of Mad Men this season. I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. So because of that, it wasn't really in contention for my list, despite being really well made. I would submit that not putting it in your top 50 is sheer mentalism, but whatever. <laughs> um, the... I mean, but I would co-sign on the fact that it wasn't as much fun to watch uh, this season as some... I mean, the previous season, I think, ran laps around it. And I was hoping that the show ending soon would kick its ass a little bit, but now that it's been divided up into two years, maybe that's going to put a damper on that. We'll see. Uh, But I I, I do, I concur what you're saying about the, the ultimate impression of the season going back. It's like, yeah, there were a few good moments, a couple of really strong episodes, and I 
have my fingers crossed that the that the ending of the season is actually a signpost of things to come and not just another sad fake out. So for that, I have quite a bit of respect for the season. But yeah, I, I agree. It wasn't wasn't the best Mad Men, and there were just I mean the other thing to, to keep in mind is that like 2013 was so nuts that to get over that threshold into greatness, you had to be really goddamn good the whole time. Yeah, not just one episode or two episodes, but very, very consistent. And uh, I, I, when I think further back on Mad Men this past year and and pinpoint where were each of these characters, what journeys did they have, all of that, then then more things come to mind. There were a lot more moments that I really enjoyed um, in the course of the season. And obviously, one of the Mad Men episodes from last year made our Sound on Sight uh, best episodes of the year list that the two of us collaborated on with Ricky D and Randy Dankovich. So there are only four of us. I, I believe we all said that the episode that made that list from Mad Men was one of the best episodes of the year. So we do have a lot of respect for, for Mad Men, but that's at least for me, that's why it wasn't in my top 10. And it was, it did make our site wide top 10. I think, isn't it like number two or number three for our site wide? It did very well on the site wide poll. It's just, it's, it's not you, Mad Men. It's us. Queen. It's us. It's us. Um, next from Tim was Neil Patrick Harris's opening number for the Tonys this year not being mentioned for best musical segment or song. Was that an oversight or did you not consider it since it was not part of a regular TV show? Or do you just hate greatness and joy? I have to say that I... <laughs> <laughs> I hate joy, but I wasn't thinking about it. I have to say that I agree with these selections, but I think that the opening number was the best musical sequence ever done in an award show. That was an absolute oversight. It was a fantastic opening sequence. It probably still wouldn't have won any of those categories for me because I did prefer the the narrative element that each of the other picks had. But uh, it was it was it was a great musical number. So good call, Tim. Thank you for mentioning that. And from Jim, uh, so wait, you only remember the bear pit and the red wedding from this season of Game of Thrones? You don't remember Danny taking over Astapor with her dragon? you're right Kate that's not good and here's the thing I do remember that and I was completely underwhelmed by it so the the parts of the season that aren't the Red Wedding or Jamie and Brienne uh, from last year that uh so, so the parts of the season that other people point to as some of their favorites were actually really disappointing for me because I'm a book reader and because there are certain elements uh, of budget constraint that clearly went into different pl different plot lines they were saving up the money uh, for, for different elements of the season. And, uh, and so therefore they weren't able to really go all out in some of these scenes. Like I was hoping they would. So that, that's, was a big part of what dampened my reaction to, uh, Game of Thrones as far as best of the year lists. How about you? I am really not, um, a Game of Thrones book reader. I haven't read any of it, but I also thought that Basically everything with Danny this season felt like treading water and a total repetition of what had happened before, including the, that ending. So yeah, yeah, I actually forgot about it. And now that you've reminded me about it, I thought, yeah, that was pretty mediocre when that happened. Yeah, I know a lot of people are very excited about the about Astapor. Um, so I, I think we're we're maybe out of step with the usual viewer as far as that goes. But but that's why that wasn't in my top ten. Uh, any other thoughts on Game of Thrones? Uh, that that for me was another one with like some amazing highs and then a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it, it didn't it wasn't as consistent as some of our other picks, um, but I'm really looking forward to to the show coming back. And I have some more book to read. I, I still am only partway through the last book, so I gotta I gotta fix that. We also got an email from Carl with some of his suggestions for categories and his picks. So, best actor or actress playing against type. He has Andre Brower. I think that works. 
good good pick there. Best actress or actor who are consistently Emmy snubbed, and that's his pick is John Noble. Uh, good call there. Most versatile guest star, Patton Oswalt for Justified Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a bunch of other stuff. Most uh, overhyped and underdelivered, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, obvious, but correct. <laughs> Most underhyped and overdelivered, The Americans. Hyped among critic circles, I guess, but not really anywhere else. And most overhyped, but still delivered, Breaking Bad. And I like that category. Yeah, I can get with that. Best binge watch, Orange is the New Black. Best guilty pleasure, American Horror Story. And best catchphrase, science, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, good call. Thanks, thanks, Carl. Much appreciated. Any other things come to mind for these, these categories, the ones that we didn't already touch on in our best of the year? I feel like going against type, uh, this came to mind again this week for obvious reasons, but I'd go with Matthew Lillard. Oh, yeah. So fun. Absolutely. Good call. Good call. We'll talk about that a little later in the show, but he did pop up on The Good Wife this week. Also, we talked with a bunch of you guys on Twitter, so a few of those, just a, a smattering because it's been almost a month since we did Twitter feedback. Uh, Jao Manuel, who I'm I'm sure I mispronounced your name. Sorry about that, sir. Uh, he suggests Charlie Brooker's A Touch of Cloth as well as Borgen when I was asking for other shows I should be checking out. Have you seen A Touch of Cloth? You saying those words to me right now is the first time in my life I've heard of that show. So, no. That, and that was my reaction when I got that tweet. Uh, so I didn't know that Charlie Booker had another show. So clearly we've enjoyed his other shows. We'll have to check that out. Carl suggests Alpha House, Bloodshoe Circle, and Battleground. Obviously, I've been tweeting about Bloodshoe Circle a lot. So I, I enjoyed that one. But I haven't checked out Alpha House yet. And I hadn't even heard of Battleground. Uh, that Again, first time. Is a West Wing kind of uh, political show, he was saying. And uh, with a sort of documentary... The, the office kind of style approach, but for a political sort of drama. So anyways, I'm very, very interested to check that out. Thank you for the heads up. Um, Alpha House is, of course, the Netflix show with John Goodman about the politicians living together in a house in Washington. Carl is also doing a 2014 TV King of the Hill approach to, to his, his best of the year. He's going to keep track of what show is for him the best show of the year and see, you know, as that change, changes over the year, if that accurately reflects what, he thinks is the best show of the year by the end of 2014 or when he thinks back other shows upset it. I don't know. It's very interesting. I look forward to seeing how that goes for you, Carl. Shannon uh, had some six women suggestions. Carrie Preston, Elizabeth Marvel and Melinda Clark. Beth seconded Carrie Preston and also mentioned that there's a UK drama series she recommends that has two female protagonists as police uh, inspectors or detectives. Um, it's, and it's from Sally Rainwright, the creator of Last Tango in Halifax, as well as Diane Taylor. It's called Scott and Bailey, and the first two seasons are on Hulu. So we'll have to check that out. I, I think it's currently... It's either finished the third season or it's in the middle of the third season. And also she mentioned that Bloodshot Circle is back on the BBC for its second season already. So that premiered the other day on the 6th. So I will have to get caught up on Bloodshot Circle. What's your likelihood of catching that show, sir? We're already behind on 2014. I know. Isn't it amazing? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's gonna, This year is, I'm telling you, this is going to be the year that breaks us. I, I can feel it. Yeah, in your bones. Well, I'll have yep. to stay more on top. I can't do any of this end-of-the-year mega-marathoning anymore because it nearly killed me last year. Uh, let's see. We I talked about Doctor Who a lot. We'll talk about that a little uh, later in the show. But particularly I talked with Dan and Caroline. Thank you so much, Caroline. You are my rock 
when everybody else was loving it and we were the two <laughs> lone voices hating parts of that, uh, at least for, for, for a day or so. Also talked with Ken, Kyle, Dan, and Corey about Doctor Who. Mario uh, really enjoyed Strike Back, which he checked out over, over the break, and he's going to catch up with Spartacus next because now he has stars. So let us know what you think, Mario. And he was glad that we got caught up with Slings and Arrows. And then I think this was my favorite tweet over the past couple of weeks. Uh, from Christy does PDX, uh, at Christy does PDX, uh, I on the end of Christy. I was just shamed by the Televerse for not watching Spartacus. Perhaps I must finally admit my husband was right about that show. That makes me so happy. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't intending to shame you, Christy, but if it gets you to watch the show, then yay. Let us know. In my and experience, shame is an excellent motivator. I know that's what got me to watch several of the shows at the end of this this past year that I, uh, that I hadn't caught up with yet. So uh, let us know if you do check it out. And if you make it past the first few episodes, let us know what you think. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing from you. And I'm glad that your husband enjoyed the show. That brings us to the end of our feedback for the past month or so. Let's now move on to our week in television. So we'll be right back with that. Oh my gosh, there she go. Watch all that when she hit the floor. Well, mama got back with a head full of tracks. Claiming other people kids on a ring. TV, we have only a handful of shows, so instead of splitting it up by by genre, we're just going to kind of go through the week. First, a few thoughts on some of the shows that aired in between our, our last week in TV, and this week there were holiday episodes of Hollywood Game Night and NTSFSDSUV. I enjoyed them both very much. I, I know you didn't get a chance to watch them, but the, the whole Die Hard thing with NTSF was, was great. I enjoyed all those little shout-outs there, and I had a lot of fun with Hollywood Game Night. Apparently, Rachel Bilson is the answer if you're on that show because she was given really good clues um then there was some top chef we'll talk about that when we get talk about top chef this week as well as of course treme had its finale and i really liked it a lot we're going to talk about that um in a couple weeks when we do our treme dvd shelf very excited about that but let's talk a little bit about doctor who which i know that you did watch what did you think of the christmas special <laughs> uh this was terrible what the hell guys <laughs> what is wrong with you people this was complete crock oh god i'm glad that i'm not just the only one uh, i i wrote a mega review it was so long that i actually had to go back and add sort of a paragraph of summary of all the things i didn't like about it and then end, end my review and say if you want more detailed reaction keep reading 
think the whole thing ended up being 2,500 words. Normally, we keep our reviews to under 1,000. So I had a lot to say about it. You broke your own editing rules. I did break my own editing rules. Uh, So you can go over to Sound Insight to read my full thoughts there. I do think there were a lot of really nice touches to this. And as I always say with Doctor Who, Matt Smith is a fantastic actor. Jenna Jenna Coleman is really good. There's There's a lot of really strong performers and uh, creative types involved with Doctor Who. I I thought the costuming was good. Some of the design was good, but just you can't you can't get past the writing. And I'm so fed up with Stephen Moffat. It's just not funny. Did he spend any time trying to make Tasha Lem her own character or did he just find and replace River Song with Tasha Lem in his script? I mean, can I I just want to rewind a second and say I'm not sure that I accept the whole Matt Smith is great all the time premise either, because there were so many times, particularly in this episode, where he has to navigate these extreme tonal shifts from goofy to very serious. And admittedly, that's partially a script and scoring issue. But his performance didn't really sell that for me either. Like, I I find he's great at the goofy stuff, but when they need him to do somber, it's really hit and miss for me. Oh, okay. I thought the end of the of the episode really worked when they have him young again for no reason, just so that we can have him be young, I guess. Uh, but but I thought his scene with, with Clara at the end was really good. And that was a more emotional one. Did that work for you? Yeah. I'm looking forward to Capaldi. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm not even necessarily looking forward. I'm looking forward to the actor. But that his first scene felt exactly like Matt Smith's Doctor. It felt like a direct lift. There was no element to that to that dialogue that felt unique to this Doctor, as opposed to what it sounds like Stephen Moffat just has in his head as, the Doctor always talks this way. And why is the TARDIS crashing? The TARDIS wasn't crashing before he regenerated. I mean, I didn't care about any of that. Uh, you know, I'm not... I am, no, I am not, nor will I ever be a Whovian, but just... There didn't seem to be much effort to make the actual plot of just this episode, not how it ties into other bits of, you know, mythological frippery with the rest of the series. But just this episode, the plot of of that, you know, this whole town called Christmas thing, there seemed to be no effort to make that make any actual sense. Well, and it it made sense in a A to B to C way, but none of it really needed to happen. For me, as soon as I said, but why does this there was no answer. It was just cause. So because a because a because didn't you see we had said earlier that this and so like yeah but but the basic premise underneath it all doesn't make any sense. Why is he really old now? It's like because he's been there three hundred years. But in one of the other episodes, he didn't age after physically he didn't age and he had been gone for two hundred years of his timeline. So there are just way too many flaws with it that way. And then. I gotta bring it up because I'm me. The horrible gender politics in this. Oh, Clara. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? This is Clara Souffle Girl. She can't cook a fucking turkey? <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. Uh... And then, oh, then of course the doctor slaps her ass and is randomly naked and is like, yay, look at me. I'm na-. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, the doctor doesn't know about being human, 
But there are any number of ways that you can demonstrate that. It's Stephen Moffat who decides, I know the way we'll have him not act human is to be sexually aggressive towards his, his companion, who he is in no way on an equal emotional or intellectual playing field with. So let's have him grab her ass, because he isn't it just so wacky, he doesn't know better. Let's have him just grab and kiss another woman, and we'll not have it, you know, have any impact. Let's have him suggest naked twister, because that's a and... good thing for our, our hero to be suggesting to children. And it's made explicit in this episode that she fancies him. Yeah. So I guess that's that. Settled. And that's why she's traveling through time and space, because she cause she fancies the doctor. Not because she gets to travel through time and space. He's like, uh, I have no secrets from Clara. Oh, except for all of the secrets I have. I don't trust her to be in the room with me. Would any other companion have been down with that? Because I can't think of any in the new series who would. Yeah, not so much. I mean, how much more do you want to go on about this? I, I don't. I, you're right. We just stop it off right there. Cut it off right there. There were some things that I did like. If you want to hear what they were, check out my review. I was positive about a few elements of this, but I just, I need Moffat to go. I just, I, I'm so ready for him to be gone. It's not even funny. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with Sherlock when we get to Sherlock once it debuts on PBS here in a couple weeks. Now let's move on to this week in TV. And I am going to kick off with a couple thoughts about Sherlock. Uh, Non-spoilery, don't worry. It aired in the UK, has not aired in the US yet. There's some really lovely moments in the first couple episodes. There's some really great uh, character beats. And the performances are, are very strong. I, I just love Martin Freeman's take on, on John Watson. Definitely the, the best portrayal of that character I have seen. And I also really like Lucy Liu's on, on Elementary as well, actually. The, those are two of the best Watsons that have ever been, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so there's a lot of really great material there. There's a new character that I really am happy about. I really love the way that that character has been portrayed. And the, the performance, as well as the writing for that character, I was very surprised that that character was written well um but th get your expectations down a little bit people is my overall uh reaction to the first couple episodes because while there are good moments there are a lot of the same moffat problems with these first two episodes of sherlock a, a lot of needlessly complicated situations and uh a lot of just having sherlock stand around and be brilliant just so that he can be brilliant um, there are large stretches of these episodes where the other characters don't necessarily even need to be in them, and there are elements to the visual style that are new that I'm not a big fan of either. So it's still, it's not bad, I don't think, but um, it's for me, it's not up to the previous season's I, you know standards. So I think if, if people go in with slightly lowered expectations as opposed to two years of waiting expectations, they will enjoy them more. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, let's move on to Top Chef. Did you watch uh, this week's Top Chef? And if so, what were your thoughts on the seafoody goodness with John Besh? I definitely did not see it. Because okay. I was thinking, did I see it? And then you said seafoody goodness with John Besh. Nope, did not see that. I was sorry to see the person go who went. I'll keep it spoiler free for you. Um, but you. But that did seem to fit. Uh, they're building one of the characters up to be sort of the villain figure. We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, the food looked good, and I'm not a big seafood person, so so that um, is more of a challenge. It's it's harder for the seafood stuff to look really good to me than it is for like for example that pork extravaganza to look really good to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm still enjoying the season. I'm glad to have it to have it still be on in this you know slightly quieter week of TV before everything comes back, and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens with Last Chance Kitchen. 
Of course, we also had the premiere of Community, and uh, I, I've seen actually the first three episodes, but the first two aired. And the first one, I really, I had a lot of, it, it was so interested in the behind the scenes showrunner shift that it forgot to be funny. Uh, and and it, it really was a two-minute gag for me, stretched out over an entire episode. I was very underwhelmed, especially after, you know, hearing so much critical buzz from people who had gotten to see the episodes before I did. Uh, but I, I thought, the, actually, the second episode was really good. I love the introduction of Jonathan Banks as a recurring character. He was he was fantastic, and that's, that's a good direction for them to go, as far as I'm concerned. And Kevin Corrigan coming back was fantastic. The whole uh, Nicolas Cage, good or evil... Uh, discussion really worked for me. And then uh, the third episode, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'll just say that uh, it's very entertaining. I was very pleased. And um, it brings in a guest star that I was very, I was again, I was very pleasantly surprised to see him show up. And I think you would enjoy him. So I think maybe this is, I know you hate community, Simon, but you might want to tune in for this one. Nope. <laughs> just no, I'm not putting myself through that rig rigmarole again. Never again. Not even if they bring an Oliphant. Okay. Well. Not even then. Okay. Well, uh, let's move on to the next Thursday show, which is, of course, Parenthood Promises and Ray Romano, right? Oh, man. He he got the first getting me misty moments of the season. And I like that uh, they're, they're writing smart for that character because they're having his big emotional beats not specifically revolve around uh, Lauren Graham. It's more about his relationship with Max and more broadly his thoughts about how his whole life has gone and maybe how things could have been different had he be been more cognizant of certain things a little bit sooner. Like that to me was, that was some terribly poignant stuff. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because for me, this episode was all about Ray Romano, but actually if you think about the time you know that each storyline got this week he only he's got in maybe like a fifth of the he's in, yeah but uh but it was so powerful i thought and um probably we're probably overhyping it for people who haven't seen it yet but uh but i do think that you know when he's reading the book and he's paging through and, and making notes i was like I, I was watching that going oh oh wait he's just figuring this out he's just figuring out that he's probably on the spectrum yeah uh, i will say that natalie uh -huh. she's gotta go man oh i she love that evil. though Oh, that, but I, but I, and I thought, I thought that was so great because it fits with what we saw earlier from her, but I think we've been seeing an idealized version because we've been sort of seeing her the way Drew sees her. And so I think yeah. bringing Amy in, and it was, it was an accomplishment to me, how likable and immediately, ah, Amy felt in those scenes, considering yeah. how horribly she went out, how much, how much of a bitch she was towards the end of that relationship. Um, so that actually was really, uh, quite a feat. And I really, I liked, it was so... It was kind of hard to watch. It's so awkward and painful, but uh, but that is so accurate to probably who these characters are to you know college freshmen and just being idiots. So so I actually really liked that, and I was surprised. I didn't expect to. Yeah, I, I I liked those scenes for the most part. The I was a little bit anxious about the way they were handling the Zeke plotline at first, but I I mean it seems like it's pretty obviously going to end with him going off to Italy and having a big romantic reconciliation of some kind. Am I wrong? I'm not expecting that. I was actually waiting for him to, e to email, why don't I come join you? Um, but I think, you know, I think he's just going to go get her at the airport and they'll talk there. I don't think he's going to fly to to Italy because if he was going to, uh, he would have. And I think she's not staying away to, you know, because they're separated or anything. I think, I do believe that this was just like 
this opportunity came up. When is it going to happen again? I, I thought that was a good way of handling it. The the whole randomly running into and making a army navy buddy uh, was was a bit you know, but but still it, it worked. The the performance sold it for me. We should yeah. talk about uh, the Sarah finally not hooking up, but like starting that that love interest storyline. They finally got that underway. I don't know how interesting that's going to be, but at least they finally are addressing it instead of just pretending it wasn't going to happen. I, I feel, though, like the slob who's secretly like a Nobel Prize winner thing is such a romantic comedy cliche. Oh, totally. Yeah. I really didn't like that aspect because you, because that already tells me he's doomed. <laughs> like, there's no way this guy sticks around because he's not a real person. Well, and, and uh, with that, it was also just sort of the... Oh look, she should. You know, she's getting her come up. It's like, but this is still the same person. This is still the same person who's been. You know, he might do this charity work and be a doctor and all of that stuff, but he's still regularly bringing home twenty somethings while he is in his forties. So that you know, just because he's a doctor doesn't mean he's less gross about the kind of people you know his his sexual partners and all of that. So, and yet. I am not as annoyed with him as I am with Julia. I can't deal with that at all. He's being <laughs> such an idiot. Okay. Oh. I, I, and I'm, apparently that is where everybody's at with this. And I need to get more information because obviously uh, she, I, I really liked her this week, actually. The performance I thought was really good. I, as soon as they had her open up to Adam, I was just so relieved because it told me which way they were going with this storyline. Because if she didn't open up, that would mean that this was going to turn into a longer term, whatever. And as soon as as soon as they also had Ed be drunk, it was like, oh, okay, good. They're not doing like a love triangle thing. They're doing like a stupid screw up thing. Uh, so I, I don't. I, obviously, she should have said that they kissed, but she he asked. Ding ding ding. Obviously, she should have said that. But what he asked is anything going on? Not did anything happen, but is anything going on? And nothing is going on. So while she should have said everything there and she didn't and that was a clear mistake i don't think she actually technically lied to him i uh, it's not about whether or not she lied it's about whether she that question doesn't you, yes by the literal rob ford take on that question <laughs> uh yes she may have been accurate in what she said but she should have known based on his level of emotional distress yeah that the correct thing to do was say everything yes. that could that could possibly be interpreted as an as a response to that question. Yeah. And not doing that was really, really exceedingly stupid. Yes. And it's yeah, and that's the other thing though, is I think that the show agrees with you that it's stupid and that she's wrong for not doing that. Yes. Yes, it does. And that's a, that makes a big difference. Uh, which where the, you know, the, the the omniscient narrator perspective of of the show. But you know, I'm getting I'm seeing apparently there's all this like Team Joel stuff uh, when people are watching Parenthood on Twitter and I still don't see any bit of where he's coming from other than, like I I think people are on Team Joel because Julia's screwing up, not because of anything that Joel is actively doing himself. No, not really. And that's a problem for me. Yeah, I don't think they've fixed that yet, which is weird because they've had the time to do it. And they just haven't. They just haven't been allocating their time and attention very well. So they could totally just have a Joel episode and fix it all. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, but but I would be interested in that. Uh, also, do you think Sonya Walger is going to be back? Because I feel like she's Sonya Wal She's so good. But then again, she's only Sonya Walger, probably to people like us. There are many TV viewers who will like vaguely recognize her, but not go, oh, it's Penny. 
Uh, so they won't feel like she's stunt casting the way that we do. I feel like she's got to come back, though. Yeah, yeah, she'll be she'll be there at some point to make more trouble. To make more trouble? Okay, well, we'll see where everything goes with Parenthood, but, oh, man, Ray Romano's so good. Uh, that chess scene, who do you think won chess? Oh, uh, I hate to see them being deadlocked for ages. <laughs> I, I enjoyed just the whole, I'm, I'm bad, but I need to do it more to get better, so... Yeah, which is sort of Max's way of like, yeah, if you win, it's okay. It doesn't matter because I, I already said I'm bad. So yeah, <laughs> so much fun. Let's move on to Grimm quickly, Red Menace. And I have my review of that up. It's not on the site. And my only thing with Grimm this week is I think they're really struggling on, on Grimm to balance serialization and standalone in a way that they haven't in the past. In the past, it's been a very standalone show with just every now and again, they'll have like an arc of two or three episodes that are serialized. And then you know, on the fringes of each episode, sort of like the blue sky dramas on, uh, on USA, they'll have the character elements that are, that are recurring or that continue throughout the season. Right now they, they have, they're still doing standalone case of the weeks, but they're also having this continuing storyline with the Royal families and, uh, Adeline and her, her whole baby drama, as well as now they also introduced Hank having, uh, you know, dating issues. And also now they've introduced a friend for Juliet who, who is secret, secretly a Vessin and uh, has an abusive husband. Like, so now there's like four continuing completely unrelated or, or at least somewhat unrelated serialized elements to the show. And that's too much to do while you also do a case of the week. They need to wrap up some of these. I really don't care about Europe. As much as I enjoy uh, Claire Coffee, I don't care about what Adeline's doing right now. And I really don't care about all the Royals drama. Um, I do. I am interested in Secret Vessin best friend character. I like that Juliet actually has a best friend. And I still love that character, Juliet. I love the performance. I think it's one of the best done girlfriend kind of characters on this kind of a show. Uh, at least on TV right now, that is. But, uh, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird to watch a procedural struggle this much with... Maybe it's not becoming a procedural, but it doesn't want to let go of that procedural element. Have, have you seen other shows uh, try to struggle with that balance? It's funny. I've been rewatching uh, early seasons of Justified, and I really wish that more shows would just do what that does, where they'll give you a few episodes of straight-up procedural and then kind of ease you into the story, and then maybe just do that again every season. But yeah, other yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's it's... I, I like them going to a more serialized area, but if you're going to do it, Grim people, and you know that I like the show. If any of the Grim people are listening, I watch it every week and I review it for Sound on Sight, and I'm generally very positive towards the show. It just feels sort of awkward right now. So I'm hoping that they either jump in with both feet and you know go straight up serialized or that they close off some of these lingering storylines and instead focus on their characters we'll see what happens with that let's move on to sunday and bob's burgers slumber party louise has a friend yeah i would be very surprised if they kept going with that though that's true but she did feel very louise bob's has a, as long as we're talking about serialization bob's has a, maybe the most tenuous grasp on that concept of any show like not non-existent but extreme but just like a hair's breadth close to non-existent like take the simpsons and then add two percent of serialization and that's sort of what boz burgers does um the i thought it was kind of a mediocre episode to be honest there were a few chuckles to be had here and there but i didn't feel like for instance the whole raccoon plot like i didn't really get why that was there and they didn't feel 
meaningfully connected when they did inter- intersect. Was that just me? No, I, th- I thought it was cute or fun, but uh, again, not a really strong B plot, as it were. For me, it was all about Louise and the slumber party, and that that worked for me quite a bit. But I will, I would agree, it's not one of their best. But still, I mean, the reason it's not one of their best is because their best is really good. Yes. So yeah. I guess damning with faint praise there. Let's move on to uh, the good wife, Goliath and David and Matthew Lillard. Okay. Matthew Lillard is one thing, but this has to be like, I know the year is young, but if there's another episode of TV this year, that's as hilariously meta and in jokey for TV watchers, like real, like real TV obsessives this year, I'll be surprised because this was really in jokey. <laughs> I mean, this was a, this was an episode where you basically had, a very thinly veiled version of the showrunner of another series on like literally on the stand defending his series. <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. Yeah. That was so much fun for me. And I know that uh, this has sort of gotten a, a lukewarm reaction from a lot of people, but I actually had a lot of fun with this episode of the good wife. And maybe it's because I did follow that Jonathan Colton glee yep. drama from last year. So when it popped up, I was like, Oh, sh- they're doing the Joko thing. Uh, I and then you, then you throw in the really fun performance from Matthew Lillard, who I'm is just again like last year was such a discovery for us with with the bridge, and I'm still enjoying him on this. And then you throw in all of the delicious meta elements of not just the showrunner, but also Matthew Lillard. Just like, I could just watch this all day. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> but it's all it's like it's like jazz. It's legal jazz. I mean, that was... yeah. The Plus, I mean, the dueling between Will and Alicia is hitting this, like, delightful sweet spot of, like, if intolerable cruelty had been good or almost like a Preston Sturges quality, mm-hmm. which is just fantastic to see. Uh, they maybe overplayed it a little bit with his stammering at the at the outfit, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, th- there was just so much to enjoy. And uh, an AV Club commenter pointed this out, and it was another really clever move. There's a scene with um, Kalinda's uh, not girlfriend cop played by Jordana Spiro. Jordana Spiro, thank you, where she started singing that Katy Perry song, which was itself uh, considered a bit of a cannibalization of another song by Sarah Bareilles. So that was, <laughs> I think that was deliberate. So if so, well done. But I, A, I'm hoping that more people, I'm hoping that there's a few indie pop acts out there who watch this episode and think, actually, maybe it's not a great idea to do an ironic cover of a rap song because it's, by the way, always a terrible idea and you shouldn't do it ever <clears throat> anyway i really hate those <laughs> uh b uh, there, there were some elements of the episode that weren't so great i i'm already over the jordana spiro character frankly mm-hmm. i don't think i'm not i there was a brief window of interest but now like kalinda i'm kind of like uh you're creepy go away um the and also of course the the actual resolution to the case was kind of lame. The uh the the other element I'm going to throw in before I go to my critiques uh, and and yours as well on the episode is of course being a musician, <laughs> classically trained, you know, college degree, master's degree holding musician. I loved all the musicology talk as well. That was a oh, nice. I love the dueling musicologists. Oh, it was awesome. It was delightful. <laughs> so good. Um. But moving on to to the critiques, I do think it's a flawed episode. And uh, for me, the Jordana Spiro character, I I have so much goodwill towards that actress because of my boys that uh, I'm willing to. And it just she's so she's like the textbook definition of of television likable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So so that is really helping with that character a lot. But my fondness for for Jordana Spiro and uh, and just thinking about her, this character in relation to her Chicago 
mob doctor character as opposed to here maybe mob cop character um is uh is only getting me to a place of neutrality with that character not making me actually like her just not be bothered and that a lot of that's going to come down to what they do with the jason amara character because i'm really struggling with you know it's a really charismatic performance and i like the actor but i'm very much struggling with how this isn't just Scott Porter 2.0 or any of these other people that they've set up for Kalinda and the way it's tying in with the Will storyline. I, I also find that incredibly tiresome. Everything with uh, Will's approach to being dumped, basically. Uh, yeah, that's all very uninteresting to me. So we'll see where that all goes. What did you think of Peter Bogdanovich? Oh my God. I laughed so very hard at that. I will say that um, now that they've done that, they can never go back to making the Melissa George character anything even close to serious ever again. Because she's just got to be a joke from here on out. Which I'm totally cool with. It's way more interesting than um, than the initial setup would have us believe. But yeah, every I figured they were going to do something like that with Bogdanovich. Like, okay, that's got to be somebody. It's got to... And I was actually thinking celebrity in my brain, but that was like the best possible choice. Someone else suggested Dinklage, but I think this was funnier. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And... Uh... Yeah, we'll see where they where they go with that character. I do think that they were, I I think they cheated a little bit with that reveal because over the course of the episode, she was saying things like, uh, like is the will the father be you know involved or, or and she says something about how well I would imagine I see him every day, or, you know, or I work with him or I see him every something like that, and that doesn't fit with Bogdanovich. So I we don't know that she doesn't see him every day. We don't know that she doesn't work with him. That's true. How is she working with him when she's being a, a full-time employee of the governor's office? I don't know. So, so there, there. I, th I think there was a little, you know, little uh, cheating there. But, but the payoff was entertaining enough that I'm I'm willing to give it to them. What do you think about the uh, the whole ballot thing coming back? That was also another really clever play. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> like almost masterful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that as well. So again, I, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I was just sort of enjoying myself, and uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see how how all of this comes together. I do think that that this episode marks as as much as they can do with Will and Alicia. They 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 killed it with this episode, so now it needs to go the other way. And I think that's a good adjustment as well. Although Caddy Alicia is as ever just completely delightful. Oh yeah, she's one of my favorite Alicias. You bitchy Alicia is just a lot of fun. Yeah. What was that line about, uh, yeah, my standards weren't so high back then, or I wasn't so discerning? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, as soon as she said, I, I wore the dress, you banged me the first time. I was like, oh, oh, Alicia. I see we've completely rounded that corner. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Yep. <laughs> that wraps up our week in TV. So now we'll take a break and come back with our 2014 midseason preview. In the deep, dark hills of eastern Kentucky. That's the place where I traced my bloodline And it's there I read on a hillside gravestone You'll never leave Harlan alive Oh my Took a pretty girl to be 
Off our 2014 midseason preview with a look at a couple of the shows that are coming back. There's one in particular that I assume we'll have to talk about. Oh well, there is a little show called Justified. Just back, back tonight as as we record, and we've both seen the first two episodes. We have, thanks to the magic of screeners. The I will say this: I'm not blown away by the first two episodes. I think they're good, but they, I kind of have the same feeling from them that I got the beginning of last season, which I think also just opened well, not like mind-blowingly good. I have some concerns about certain characters and certain plot lines, but I i mean, none of them are, are substantive at all yet in Yoast, I trust. Uh, I have a feeling this is not going to be my favorite season, but I feel like I say that every season. So <laughs> I feel like all my commentary at this point is useless. I will have a review of the first episode up tonight, right after it finishes airing. There are elements of the of new new cast members who are potentially quite exciting. People who are coming up later in the season who I'm absolutely geeking out about. And I'm not going to say anything about that because I've already you know, You've already spoiled, spoiled you me about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah sorry about that <laughs> wait uh did you have any because uh, i i know we're keeping it non-spoilery any any uh are you feeling like like hedging your bets a little bit like i am or are you just totally all in oh i'm all in and i don't i don't know where you're coming from at all with with your hesitancy so i will have fun discussing that with you as soon as we finish recording here and let next week when we you know discuss the premiere in spoilery depths but uh but yeah i i was geeking out about the casting in this and let alone the casting you spoiled for me thank you for that but uh, i had i had a lot of fun with this premiere and with the second episode as well and i'm really looking forward to where this is where this is heading and i think for those who would like to have um, a, a little bit more fun with this premiere and you know where it looks like the season is headed, I would say rewatch the pilot. And there's some stuff in the pilot that you wouldn't have probably remembered or picked up on that will come into play here, season uh, season five. So that, I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, I've actually been rewatching season one with my folks, and there's been a few things that have come up over the course of the season that I thought to myself, I know they didn't know they were going to do this later. But it's nice that they were paying enough attention to stuff they'd previously done. Yeah, that they went back and were like, hey, remember we mentioned this? We could, you know, you make that whole storyline. Yeah. Or we can turn this into foreshadowing by making something up later, which is my favorite thing that they do. Well, yeah, and that's what all the good shows do. People talk about, uh, you know, the foreshadowing and Breaking Bad. And a lot of times it's it's more the other thing. It's more the going back and tying it in. And that takes just as much work, if not more. So I, I always appreciate that. So I had a lot of fun with Justified, and I look forward I look forward to discussing uh, hockey players. I'll just yes. put it that way. I, I, I will say that, if anything, my, my major concern about these two episodes is that they were maybe a little bit less fun than I was hoping, a little bit more dark and sinister. But, you know, we'll get there. Again, I don't... I, I, I immediately was back in the justified happy fun land. So we'll talk about it later. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Archer. Uh, which is starting up its season. You you haven't seen these, but I've seen the first five. I hate you. That's a I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with that. I I would 
if our roles were reversed. Um, so why don't you ask me some questions? What do you want to know about Archer? Why haven't I seen it yet? Because cause, seen five episodes. Why haven't I seen the five episodes? Because you don't get FX screeners for Archer, and I do. That's why. Uh, I know. That's my only Is it? Is it? <laughs> Is it is it good? Yes, it's good. It's quality. I would say um, there's one element to the season premiere that I really was disappointed by, and it's awesome in the moment. It's fantastic in the moment. When I started the next episode, I was disappointed, and that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to spoil our listeners. And so, no, that's very much a tease, but I think that this season is stronger than last season. It's definitely a different approach. There's, there's sort of like a season long arc through line. This is the Archer vice season where the, it's taking on the, like the opening credits are now all like teal and orange and, and bright pink and stuff. And there's, there's a lot of fun elements. They shake things up with, I am significantly at the start of the season. It actually kind of reminded me of the shakeup at the beginning of children's hospital last season. So it's a similar kind of, you know, very different parallel, but it's still the same characters in this new setting. So we'll see. I should rephrase that. You'll see uh, how it's, <laughs> how it goes and how, how things change up. But I don't know exactly how much of that would be considered a spoiler. What I will say is that I laughed out loud a bunch. I was very glad to have this, this uh, world back, these characters, and there are a whole bunch of new, of of new fun phrasing style gags for this season. The, the first, literally and figuratively, that came up, I was just, I just had this silly grin on my face. I was like, "Oh, I've missed you, Archer. I've missed you so much." I'm still terribly jealous. Yeah, that seems like an accurate uh, approach. There's also a, a recurring character voiced by Gary Cole who shows up, and that's that's fun casting. It was driving me nuts. I couldn't place him at first until I looked at the credits, and I was like, oh, yep, Gary Cole, that's why. Uh, such, a, such a fun actor. But, yeah, I think if people can get past the significant shift, if they're fine with that, then, uh, then they will have a lot of fun with the season. And even if that's a problem for some people, I think if you just kind of do sort of the Ava Crowder season one versus season three, just accept it's a new character kind of thing. Yeah. Then, then people will have a lot of fun with, with Archer this year. So that's, that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. I look forward to everybody else being able to, to see it. Uh, Let's go, let's start talking a little bit though about the, the new network shows rather than you know our returning favorites some of these i will have seen some of these i will not have seen and simon you have seen none of these as i understand it nope so you will be our audience stand-in and yes. uh that can give us that perspective so let's kick things off with abc on the second they premiered their miniseries the assets it's set in the 80s cold war it's based on a true story roughly and uh it is very disappointing. Now, this has already aired, so I assume you may have seen trailers or ads for this, even if you didn't set aside the time to watch. Uh, I did not, although it did strike me as spectacularly wrongheaded for a network to try to go to Americans' territory. Yes, that is that is true. I started out the, the first episode of this miniseries cautiously optimistic, you know, slightly positive, uh, because I did enjoy the aesthetic. Um, I'm not big on the visuals, but the the setting is fun. Um, but then as over the course of the first episode, it just gets increasingly melodramatic and cliched and 
really unfortunately written. So there are some some good actors in here, but the whole thing it's just not good. I would you know a way, an unfortunate uh, mishandling of an interesting topic and a talented cast. So yeah, I know we all love jo- Jodie Whittaker, but. Not worth it, even for her. Next up on ABC is Killer Women, uh, which is uh, premiering tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. And this is the new Trisha Helfer Texas Ranger show. Are you familiar with this one? I've heard of it. I'm familiar with the concept of a Texas Ranger and with who Trisha Helfer is. But man, that title, that's that's a big hurdle to get over. Yeah, well, they're going for with their advertising and, and some of the their approach they're going for sort of a grindhouse you know b movie kind of campy fun approach and i think they're actually there's potential in that and obviously we're big fans of trisha helfer from Battlestar. she's 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 good in this about as good as she can be uh when she looks like trisha helfer and they're trying to sell her as a no-nonsense texas ranger uh obviously it helps that she is actually giant <laughs> she's really tall and and looks far more powerful than many of the women they try to sell as being badass detectives when they're like five three and everything but uh that being said it, it's i was underwhelmed by this i think it does have potential it could grow there's a good cast i like uh, i like the cast i should say uh, not everyone will be big fans of them but you, you could do a lot worse but it also it didn't really stand out to me as much as i was hoping that maybe it would it's not it doesn't steer into the skid enough to be cheesy enough to really get that camp kind of approach. Yeah, I feel like, well, and also just the whole idea of broadcast network grindhouse. It's just like, uh, that kind of seems destined to be half-assed. Yeah, it's it's too standard, typical procedural to really be in that vein. Um, and it's not interesting enough to s- distinguish itself just as a procedural. So that's, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving some space for growth there. Maybe that's when I check in. If people you know, like it, if it sticks around, which maybe it won't, but if it does stick around and people like it and tell me to tune in, I would be willing to do so at the end of the season for that. We also have on ABC Mixology, which is uh, premiering in February, February 26th. I have not seen this one. It's a sitcom. We'll see. If we, when we get closer, I may have more thoughts on that one. Then in March, on March 9th, we have Resurrection, which is basically the American take on Les Revenants. So people start coming back to life in a small town. I think it's like an FBI kind of person is ends up in the town returning a child who just sort of pops up and has been dead for 10 years. And if I'm not mistaken, the source material is the same as the novel that the original film yeah. of Les Revenants is based on, but it's not an adaptation of Les Revenants. Is that confusing enough for you? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 not a remake of Le Revenant, but they both come from similar or the same source material originally. And so there are clear similarities between the two. I actually thought this was one of the most promising pilots, uh, network pilots, I should say, last fall. And they're, they've saved it for mid-season. I think it could be interesting. There's more of a discussion of uh, of faith that I think again, could go somewhere interesting. There's some of that, of course, in Les Revenants as well. Uh, it's, it's a slightly different approach here, uh, obviously being said in America versus France that's going to obviously have some different uh, cultural distinctions. But uh, I, check it out. I'm guessing it's less atheistic and, and bleak than Les Revenants. I would, we'll see where it goes. I, okay. I can't really say that much. Only having seen the pilot, I can't really say that much about where it's where it's headed. But... Can, I, can I ask what 
genre it is because i mean like i have not kind of toyed with that but i think ended up sort of landing on horror more or less whereas this doesn't seem to be doing that yeah i I wouldn't from what i've seen i wouldn't call it a horror drama more like a uh supernatural sort of like tinged family drama there again it's just a pilot so what i've seen is just the pilot and it's promising and interesting i will tune in to watch at least a couple more uh, when we get a little bit closer but uh but yeah, I I think it has potential. Then again, I watched that before I watched Les Revenants, so maybe I would have a different approach having seen that that one now. But uh, that's my that's my thoughts on that. Um, then the final ABC show we'll talk about here is on the 11th of of March. We have Mind Games, which we are both very excited about because it's coming from Kyle Killen, who of course gave us Lone Star and Awake, and it stars <laughs> Steve Zahn. And Kristen Slater. But anyway, uh, I mean, it's Kyle Killen, so I'm just going to assume it's doomed. And, you See, know. you say it's Kyle Killen and you're going to assume it's doomed. I say it's Kyle Killen, so I'm going to assume it's good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see how the dual forces of doom come together because everything Christian Slater has done is crashed and burned. Yeah, and true. everything Kyle Killen has done is crashed and burned. So maybe they'll cancel each other out. We'll see what happens. I haven't seen this one, so I can't really give any, you know, critical thoughts on it. But obviously, we're very excited about it just because of the people involved. And uh, Steve Zahn, you know, he has a very soft place in my heart because of his work on Treme, as well as his film work. He's always so likable. But uh, I, I do find it weird they didn't send out any screeners, though. Well, you know, it is. It's we've got some time still. You know, it's not premiering right away. So we have a couple months and I'm sure that that will go up pretty soon here um let's move on to cbs which only has one new show uh which is again premiering tonight on the 7th at 9 p.m eastern that's intelligence or basically sawyer finally has a tv show i do not know what took so long for somebody to grab josh holloway and make a procedural unfortunately i don't think it's a very good procedural it's not very interesting and uh it really it really is somebody like somebody took chuck and said let's take out all the fun and make it more angsty and we'll we'll cast sawyer it's such a waste of Josh Holloway. It's not even funny. I would suggest if you want to know my thoughts on intelligence, go to my network procedural uh, Mad Libs that I put out in the fall talking about the fall network procedurals. That one applies here, too. It applies to intelligence. It applies to uh, Chicago PD. It, it really it's it's astonishing to me how completely interchangeable most of the network procedurals are not only in the fall, but also at mid season. So we'll, uh, we'll see if they can do something interesting with their talented cast. And if they distinguish themselves from basically being a grittier Chuck. Um, but for right now, <laughs> grittier Chuck, that's like the worst phrase I've ever heard. <laughs> we'll take all the whimsy and fun out of Chuck and all the humor and replace it with some wiseacring and, uh, yeah, and, and an overarching melodramatic, maybe dead wife, and that, that then you have intelligence. So <sighs> I hope we get something better to do soon. So that's what uh, CBS has on offer, just the one new show in the, at the midseason. Let's move on to The CW, which has two new shows, Star-Crossed, which is the Romeo and Juliet with Aliens kind of uh, show, starring Amy Teagarden and some other people as uh, high schoolers who, again, Romeo and Juliet with Aliens. And that's um, 
February 17th is when that premieres. I have not seen that pilot. I know that it aired at Comic-Con, so there are probably a lot of different reactions you can read online. Uh, but I have seen the pilot to the 100, which is premiering on March 19th, and that is a futuristic sci-fi kind of show. It's where we're in an Earth that has uh, had a, a nuclear holocaust kind of disaster, and so all everybody who was still in orbit, because at that time, you know, there were more people in orbit, and they they all survived, and everybody on Earth died. And so then we fast forward a bunch of time, and they're running out of resources. And so someone decides to send a hundred juvenile delinquents down to the planets. And so there's a Lord of the flies element to it. Looks like there's going to be a sort of, um, survival and, uh, maybe kind of campy see how we can creatively kill people off element. But then that sort of backpedals a little bit in the pilot. So we'll see which direction the show takes with that. I thought it was a kind of terrible pilot, uh, but there was this positive reaction at Comic-Con from the fan, uh, from, from, from the audience I was with. So we'll see how that goes. All, all I want to know and all anyone wants to know is, are these teens sexy? Of course these teens are sexy. They, they have (laughs) the, the unsexy nerdy teens are sexy. This is the CW. So Come on. All the Wait a minute. They have unsexy, but actually sexy nerd juvenile delinquents? Of course. There, <laughs> there's at least so one. So all the cliques are still there, even though it's the future. Yes. Yes. Okay. Even though, yes. So so um, a non-juvenile delinquent or two manages to sneak aboard. Our heroine is a political protester, and that's how she's a juvenile delinquent. So, that, you know, heaven forbid we actually have a protagonist who is a bad person. It, it's a lot of misunderstood teen kind of stuff. And and there are some adults as well that are on the you know, space station. Um there's there's a premise here that could be interesting, but I really don't trust the CW to uh, steer this show in an interesting interesting way. And also, there are indicators in the pilot that you know. But you you never again. This is a pilot. You never know. I was not blown away. I was not particularly optimistic about some of the decisions made in the pilot. But uh, I mean, let's I mean, Star Cross stars Amy T. Garden, who played a high school sophomore six years ago on Friday Night Lights? When was that? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and she's... I'm assuming it's, she's supposed to be a sophomore considering usually that's what high school set shows begin with so they can go for several years. Um, and I, again, I haven't seen the pilot, so maybe she's a high school senior. But I kind of doubt that. I kind of expect they're having her play way too young. Even though, you know... I, I, I miss Amy Teagarden for my TV. I don't miss her that much, though. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, not Not to slight her in any way, but when people look back nostalgically on Friday Night Lights, I don't think she's the first thing into their mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I, any of those people playing high school again now, I, I wouldn't be interested. But uh, no. let's move on to Fox, which has Enlisted, which is premiering this Friday, the 10th uh, at 9.30 Eastern. And then they also, at the end of the month, will have Rake. But uh, Enlisted, I've seen the first four. And there's been a lot of positive buzz about the show because it's good. It's about a military Yay. family, a trio of brothers. Uh, you know, you have the young screw up, you have the sarcastic kind of angry middle child, and then you have the the eldest brother who's back from I want to say Afghanistan. Um, and and it's hijinks. It's, there's a definite element of stripes to this, as well as you know brotherly camaraderie and repairing old relationships and all of that. Uh, the pilot is is good. It's one of the the best comedy pilots from last year, which of course we know how very much that is saying. But uh, but it gets better over the course of the four episodes, even. And by the I was laughing out loud by the third episode that I watched, 
and I I really think they they have a strong sense of their group dynamic, and it's it's definitely one of the best co- new comedies of this 2013 2014 season. So I would say check it out. It's not optimistic that it's on Fridays. That's not a good uh, sign. No, I will say though that I'm glad Chris Lowell is getting a chance to redeem himself since no one likes Piz. No one likes no Piz. No one. But he he's the the comedic standout in this for me. And uh, and people will also of course enjoy seeing Ryan Shay not playing Ryan Shay uh, as the youngest brother there. Uh, of course, that's the character named as the same actor played on Suburgatory. And uh, yeah, so the cast are all people you will recognize from other projects, and they they gel really well together here. And uh, it's hard to say whether whether the sarcastic middle brother is the most entertaining because he's the most entertaining, or because he has a solid uh, group to bounce off of, which allows him to fill that that role. But uh, but no, it, it works well. It's a good show. I recommend people check it out. And have you seen Rake? I have seen Rake. That's premiering at the end of the month on January 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's it's a remake of an Australian show, uh, which which means it's not actually just House with Lawyers. Um, and I don't know the Australian show, so I don't know when it, it was made. I don't know if it, the Australian show was intended to be House but with Lawyers. But this is basically House but with Lawyers, uh, as far as I'm concerned. it It's... It, it doesn't have the same group dynamic that that one did, but you, again, you have a brilliant but difficult um, addict main character who takes on impossible cases and uh, and has, is brilliant at what he does, um, but difficult to work with and can't get his personal life straightened out. I mean, it's... You've you've seen this show before, and Greg Kinnear is, is great. I actually am a big fan of his, of his work, but... No, I don't think there's an actor alive who could have made this show interesting to me. So again, see that 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 um, that procedural Mad Libs I was talking about earlier, wash, rinse, repeat. So there's again nothing interesting for me about Rake, as well done as it may be. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's pretty much the death knell of interest for me right there. Sorry, sorry. And again, strong cast. That this is a common trend with the mid-season pilots, the fall pilots as well. A really good cast doesn't necessarily mean anything for me in this year of television. Uh, I've been let down too many times. Let's move on to NBC, which obviously community premiered. I talked about it earlier in the show in our week in TV. The third episode is a lot of fun, uh, which uh, people will not have seen yet when this podcast goes up. But let's talk about their new shows. The big one, I know you're excited for it, Chicago PD. Oh, yeah. Debuting on the 8th. Because we all needed a Chicago Fire spinoff. I don't think we're the target demo for that one, Kate. We aren't. But I have watched more Chicago Fire than people might expect because uh, they put up three episodes last uh, the, in this fall. So I watched a bunch more of it this fall. And and I will say this. Chicago Fire is in a much better place than Chicago PD is. Granted, again, pilot. Um, they, there are a couple more episodes that I, I may sit through just because they've made them available. And if, if that changes my opinion on the show, I will let everybody know. But again, wash, rinse, repeat. Matt, uh, with our with our procedural Mad Libs, it really is a boringly uh, anti-hero sort of ensemble cop show. Uh, and again, likable cast. That's not enough though for me to to get behind the, a show that so so warmly embraces pr- uh, police brutality and corruption. And uh, because these some of these characters are such a badass, we're supposed to like them when they're doing horrible things. 
Um, so so I, I would be very surprised if Chicago PD caught on, mostly because Ironsides didn't catch on, and that had a similar element to it, as well as a similarly likable cast. So we'll see what happens with Chicago PD, but I was I immediately shut off from this pilot after the first few scenes of police brutality. So I don't think that's a thing that should be, you know, lionized personally. And if you're going to do it, you have to be the shield and do it to a new and extreme level. And that's not going to happen on network TV. But is it shot in Chicago though? You at know least? I, I, I am not sure. I should know that, but I don't. Um, I would imagine I would be, I would not be surprised if the, the pilot was, there's some, um, there's some crossover with the Chicago fire cast. And I could tell when that happened, not because I've seen a lot of Chicago fire, but because those characters seemed more developed and interesting than, than some of the, the other, um, the newer characters. You could tell when they were bringing in a fan favorite from the other show. Uh, but, and I do think that there's, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had there, but they're driving around in their cop cars and it's handheld camera. And I just wished I was watching Homicide. Uh, so that's my advice. Go watch Homicide Life on the Street in- instead. Yeah, that's generally pretty sound advice. Yeah. On NBC, there are also several other mid-season shows that do not have premiere dates yet because, of course, NBC has the Olympics. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with the Olympics coverage and and when they begin their rollout of their new shows. But there's Crisis, which is the Gillian Anderson, um, Dermot Mulroney uh, hostage <laughs> drama. <laughs> I had to think about which one it was, uh, but that I actually enjoyed that pilot as well. It was one of the the best fall or mid season pilots that I've seen. Network pilots that is. There's Believe, which is having all sorts of production woes. I think their second showrunner just left. They're on hiatus. Uh, it's I, don't, I really don't think it's a strong pilot. Uh, but again, you never know when there's like a kind of creative shakeup at the beginning of a show. It could turn out to be very different than what I've seen. So I don't really put too much into that i'll uh, when we get an official new pilot I'll, I'll let you guys know what i think about that all i know about that one is magical child which uh... yeah obviously there's that alfonso Cuaron connection so that makes it more interesting but i was not impressed by the pilot and some of the decisions in the pilot but again like i said when there's that much creative shakeup at the beginning of a show it could turn out to be very different than the the 45 minutes i've seen so I'm not really expressing a formal opinion on that one yet. Um, we have About a Boy, which is the Jason Kadams produced new comedy ad- adaptation of the film. Actually, what probably the best uh, comedy pilot of the 2013-2014 season. Very likable and uh, a lot of potential there. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, Growing Up Fisher, sort of Goldberg's E and sort of Moon Boy E and... You know, we'll see. You're trying to get that Wonder Years vibe, but not quite succeeding. Right. Like equal parts sweet and funny, but generally not getting the latter part right. <laughs> Again, it's just I like I like J.K. Simmons. I like this cast, but I don't have enough. Yeah. I, again, I would rather just watch The Wonder Years than watch a show trying to get get that balance just right in the way that that show did. Um, so. We'll see. Goldberg's really grew into something over the course of its its season and has really established itself as one of the, the most successful of the new comedies. And I would not have predicted that from its pilot. So we'll see what happens with Graham Fisher. But I'm not overly optimistic based on, on that. And then there's Crossbones, which I haven't seen, but it's John Malkovich as Blackbeard. So what? Yeah. This is the first I've heard of it. So, you know, <laughs> that should be interesting. Okay, so John Malkovich is going to be on a network TV show now? Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated. I th- I'm pretty sure it's a summer show. So that's that's one that, you know, we'll see what happens with it. But I, I, it, between that and Black Sails, apparently pirates are the new zombies. So, or at least somebody wants them to I'm, be. I'm totally cool with anything except zombies being the new zombies. <laughs> so that that's our, our network mid-season uh, uh, preview. What of those shows most stands out to you? Um, well, I mean, all the ones that you think are good, I guess, because since those seem to be slim pickings, anything Kadem's involved, I'm always up for. Uh, although I have absolutely no interest in, in Nick Hornby whatsoever, so I guess that's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I like pirates. I'm okay with pirates. Uh, the <laughs> fact that the, I mean, I guess we'll mention Black Sails soon, but the fact that that's Michael Bay produced is kind of ominous. The fact that it's already been renewed is very strange. But, I, I mean, I can't imagine that there's going to be some sort of pirate renaissance now. Yeah, well... We'll see. I, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't really form an opinion. But it's definitely interesting that those are both kind of simultaneously happening. Speaking of Black Sails, let's move on over to Cable. Uh, we just have a handful of shows here as well. On January 9th, we have Spoils of Babylon on IFC. Do you do you want to give listeners a description? Because I hadn't even heard of this until a few days ago. So apparently this is created by some funnier die people, the same creators as Casa de Mi Padre, which I never saw. So I, that means nothing to me. But apparently it is a miniseries which is itself claiming to be a much shorter version of an original 22-hour miniseries that doesn't actually exist. Um, And it stars Kristen Wiig and Tobey Maguire and a whole lot of other people. Isn't it uh, from Will Ferrell as well? Isn't he involved? Will Ferrell's in it to some capacity. I think he's also got a producer credit, uh, which makes sense for the Funny or Die connection. I don't know how how involved he really is. It kind of looks like it's just going to be a one-joke thing stretched out to seven hours, which apparently will be kind of the point, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm cautiously interested. Yeah, I think there's plenty of mater- material there for parodying, like, 80s miniseries like they seem to want to do. We'll see if they're able to, to cap- capitalize on that or if it gets kind of old. Um, the next day on the 10th, this this weekend, we have Helix, which is on Sci-Fi or Siffy, and that's the new Ronald Siffy. D. Moore. Well, that's, I'm Do sorry. Do actually call it Siffy? I call it Siffy. That's how it's spelled. So that's what it's being called. If they wanted to be the Sci-Fi channel, they could have stayed the Sci-Fi channel. That's my own little, you know, stupid, ridiculous pet peeve there. Um, anyways, so Helix is the new show from uh, Ronald D. Moore. Uh, he's also, of course, doing uh, a couple other shows at the same time. But this is the one starring Billy Campbell. And do you want to give people a little bit of an idea of the storyline? It's the thing. That's the storyline. It's the thing. They're in the <laughs> Arctic. It's a pandemic. They can't go anywhere. It's the thing. What do you want? Okay, okay. Uh, clearly, you are less than enthused by I mean, this premise. I haven't seen it yet, but it just how you make an entire series out of something that's set literally in... I mean, he, he could get away with that in Battlestar because he's on a huge ship, and, you know, they can do what? They can go around space. They can explore other, other worlds, etc. But if you're literally just stuck in an Arctic research facility with... I don't know. It just seems like a really limited premise. And also I was reading an interview with Billy Campbell. We was talking about how, uh, I guess this may count as a mild spoiler. So skip a, a few minutes, but he's talking about an interview. So I'm guessing it's not that big a deal. He's talking about how, well, this is sort of like, like a, a, an alternative take on a zombie series, because when people get infected with this pandemic, they have a pathological need to infect other people. And so, and so I was thinking to myself, so 
it's a zombie series. <laughs> That's what they just just because you're changing a couple things doesn't make it not zombies. Anyway, so yeah, I'm not terribly interested. Well, we'll see what happens with that, uh, and that that'll be this week. So we'll talk about it next week on the podcast. On Sunday, we have True Detective, which is starting up, and that looks incredibly interesting. I am so jealous of the people who got those awesome screener boxes. Uh, yeah, those are pretty cool. This is a, a American Horror Story style. Uh, every season, well, actually, no. Apparently, every season is going to tackle a different story with a different cast. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they that end changes. up retaining some cast members. Uh, and it's all directed by Kerry Fukunaga, I believe, who uh, did Jane Eyre, Woody Harrelson, um, Matthew McConaughey, and I believe Michelle Monaghan's in there somewhere too. Yep. Kevin Dunn, who, lots of people. Uh, yeah, man, Michelle Monaghan. I'm so glad to see her in something again because she's great. Um, I want to believe this is going to be great, but I'm getting such a, uh, what's, what am I thinking of right now? I'm getting such a, like a, a, an immediate prestige vibe from it, especially from the people who have been raving about it. Uh, some of whom I don't really trust. I'm not going to name names, obviously, but I would really love it to be great. I would love it to be great, but HBO lately, it's, it's not an immediate guarantor of greatness. I'm very optimistic about this one, and perhaps it's because of all the buzz I'm hearing. But because I'm hearing so much buzz, I'm also a little – I'm trying to de-psych myself because I don't yeah, want to exactly. have too much hype going into this premiere. But obviously I have not seen it yet, so I can't really give any thoughts on it other than I like all of these actors, and I'm very intrigued by this increasing uh, prevalence of season-long sort of anthology series. I think that's a good direction, an interesting direction for television to go. So we'll see what happens. I, I will say that – the the main thing that has me ir kind of irked about it is that it's yet another season long murder mystery. Yeah. Apparently, which man, that's people underestimate how fucking hard that is to do. It's very hard to do it well, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll t be talking about that next week on the podcast. Let's talk a bit about Chosen, which is starting up on the 13th. It's premiering after the Archer season premiere, and uh, that's on FX. This is created by Grant DeKernian and uh, has Bobby Moynihan, Danny McBride, Nick Swartzen, Catherine Hahn, uh, Paul Icono. There's there's a bunch of, of interesting people here, and uh, it, it there's a definite Eastbound and Down vibe uh to to this show and obviously having Danny McBride be the voice of one of the characters helps with that but uh just in the tone it, it is sort of you know it makes sense that it's a creation a collaboration between the Eastbound and Down guys and the Archer guys you can tell that in watching the show it doesn't work for me uh anywhere near as well as Archer does but then again I also have seasons worth of affinity for those characters however I watched all five episodes they sent me so that says something, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I did think it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun. Um, it's not necessarily appointment viewing for me, but uh, I do think it's interesting that no one else is really talking about it. I think there's potential here, and I, I think it is also kind of awesome for us to have a white rapper character in one of these shows who's very gay, who is do feeling... <laughs> not just gay, but very, very gay. Very gay. Well, because they, they don't turn him into some kind of a stereotype. They basically treat him the same as as a lot of the depictions of you know, stereotypical maybe depictions of 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 rappers are where theoretically they're they're you know playing the field and uh not the most polite or not the least misogynistic in how they treat women if you just kind of just make that be how this guy treats guys that's the depiction here so 
yeah, I think that's actually kind of interesting because you never you never see that anywhere else. Well, and not having seen the series, homosexuality and hip hop is a really incredibly taboo subject. Mm -hmm. So I'll be very curious to be following the reception. I would really like it to be good, but I'm also just I'm just really hoping we don't get another unsupervised situation where oh, animated comedy on FX with great people involved. This should be great. And then I had to look it up before this podcast to remember what the name of it was because it de departed from my mem from my memory so thoroughly. Yeah, I, I think it's for me, it's more successful than un than unsupervised was. Um, and I think the relationships between the characters feel more lived in. And again, I just I do think it's very interesting that you have the main character is gay, but his friends don't figure it out for a while. And it's not like he's keeping this a secret. It just doesn't really come up. Uh, he, the main character gets out of jail after I want to say like ten years, and uh, and and so you know over, they eventually figure out that he's gay. And they're like, oh, huh? We're not going to comment on this, and they don't because that's it's just you know it's a person, it's not a stereotype. Mm -hmm. So, uh, or it is a stereotype. It's a whole. It's interesting. We'll talk about it next week once we've had a <laughs> chance right. to see it. <laughs> but I don't want to get anybody's expectations too high. Uh, I, I do. I do. I, it's not like it completely wowed me but i did have fun with it and um i think it's i think it's interesting so we'll see what the reaction is from everybody else on the 18th on saturday the 18th we have hit record which is going to be on pivo which is the the show about uh with uh from joseph gordon levitt's production company um about short films yes making a short film i guess so i actually know nothing about it i know about joseph gordon levitt's involvement and i'm confused as to if how he's involved how he didn't get it get it get it managed to be made on a more visible platform but you know who knows yes i'm more familiar with the production company and the, or the collab it, it's a it's an online um collaboration sort of of uh you know where, where people can contribute to 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 make short films so i'm not exactly sure what all the the tv show is going to be but i look forward to finding out because i'm very interested in uh, what joseph gordon levitt is doing as a creator as a creative force i i had a lot of fun with don john this summer so uh this past year i should say so we'll see what it is so starting on sunday the 19th on hbo is looking which will be paired with girls and this is a comedy or sitcom about a group of gay men uh, living in San Francisco, a group of friends, and uh, it's going to be starring people. You know, it's it's a it's based on Lorimer, uh, by Lennon, and it stars uh, Jonathan Groff, which is probably how people will have heard of it. Obviously, he's you know well known from Broadway as well as Glee. But uh, this, I know very little about this. I look forward to it, but that's about that's about all I know. Has there ever been a good American series oriented around a specific sexuality? Hmm. Non-heteronormal. There must be. <laughs> but we can't think of any well, right now. There, I have some really significant blind spots. I, I know I'm sure some people are screaming at their podcast <laughs> device, uh, The L Word, which I haven't seen, or Queer as Folk, which I haven't seen. I've seen some of it. I mean, it has some okay stuff here and there, but I wouldn't call it a good series. Exactly. I, and I, again, I played I play the fit that I haven't had a chance to see any of that. So that's one of the gaps in my TV lexicon that hopefully over time we will fill in with our dvd shelf um do you have any other thoughts on looking or shall we move on to our next show i would really really like it to be good also if i understand correctly it has some connection to the folks who made weekend uh, the film which i've always heard is fantastic so 
it would be nice to get that level of of cinematic engagement from it we'll see how it goes next up is black sales which is premiering at the end of the month on uh on stars that's it's premiering on the 25th and this is pirates yep it's it's pirates it's michael bay and it's pirates this is it's an adaptation of treasure island our prequel to treasure island i know it got a, a positive feed you know reaction at comic-con but but that's that's all i that's all i really have doesn't to, everything to get on. a positive reaction to comic-con you would you might be surprised um some 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 of it sometimes when there's a positive reaction at comic-con it's just the the group of people all being psyched that they're all there together and sometimes it's more legitimate i know they had a pirate ship at comic-con and it was awesome uh to promo black sales but i I wasn't able to go to the screening so you know i I can't give an accurate read on you know whether that's just everybody being psyched because they're at comic-con or if it's you know tell any you know indication of something else or or if they were just psyched because there was a pirate ship yeah, well, I know I was, so... <laughs> there you go, if they've done their jobs. Um, next up is Red Road, which is going to be on Sundance. It's premiering, it's a miniseries, and it's premiering on February 27th. Um, this is a crime a murder case um, set on a reservation in New Jersey, and stars Jason Momoa. And Julianne Nicholson, who is so good yes. on Massive Sex this season, among other places. Uh, this looks awesome. I'm actually <laughs> more interested in this than in True Detective, to be honest. But uh, and also the pilot is directed by James Gray, who is amazing. So uh, and it's on Sundance, who has a really good track record so far. Uh, don't get too excited. Uh. <laughs> oh man, would you like to continue speaking to yourself? Because that was awesome. No, I'm good. You're good. You're good. Okay. Well, we'll move on and probably de-psych you a little bit with Those Who Kill, which is premiering on March 3rd on A&E. And this, I looked at it and said, oh, Chloe Sevigny, awesome. And then I saw the plot description, which makes it sound like The Killing, and I immediately was less enthused. Yep. More serial killers. The serial killer trend is not going anywhere, people. Yep, apparently not. Uh, The only other shows we're going to mention that are new, that are coming out, that people should keep an eye out for are turn on a on amc which is revolutionary war spy drama and then we have penny dreadful on showtime neither of these have a specific uh premiere date yet but uh, penny dreadful is going to be a horror anthology series and uh, then of course turn as i already said revolutionary war spy drama yes with jamie bell who is great it would be nice if that were good <laughs> we'll see that's we'll all i can out. say uh, now, what of the now? These are all the new shows. What are the returning shows that you are most excited for? Obviously, we were very big fans of of the Americans, which is coming back in, uh, in and February, yes. February twenty sixth, and you know Hannibal February twenty eighth, instead oh, Amy Schumer, snap. April first, and uh, Orphan Black uh, April nineteenth. Um, wh- what else? Are you going to watch Banshee this year? I will probably at least check out the second season premiere to see how they follow up from the. End of last season, I'm kind of cautiously interested, but I'm not as big on it as I even am on Strike Back, I would say, which is sort of its closest ilk. And of course, that's premiering this this Friday on the 10th. Um, Sherlock is coming back on the 19th. Yes, which you've already seen the first two episodes. I'm waiting till the uh, U.S. air date to watch those. I'm not as huge on Sherlock as most other people are, but it's usually diverting enough. Okay, so I, I think that gives you know those along with maybe the strain over the summer. You know, I think those are our main, the main ones that we're keeping an eye out for that we're most excited for. Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, Louis back in May, and that's the big one for me. Yeah, definitely can't wait for for Louis to There's get back. No, no date for that yet, but 
oh man i just <laughs> i'm also you, you know what i'm secretly hoping for slash predicting because last se- the last time he had a season he ended up picking up cast members from movies that he'd made appearances in can you imagine if like some of the american hustle people show up this season <laughs> <laughs> just like bradley cooper and jennifer lawrence and amy adams start dropping in you know yes. why not that would be well i don't care about bradley cooper but the other people can come <laughs> see one of the days you'll have to watch alias for a dvd shelf and then you'll have a greater appreciation for bradley cooper will i though <laughs> we'll see um that wraps up our 2014 mid-season preview network and cable um some show notes our outro music is sweet petite by the bicycles you can find a post up at soundonsite.org for this podcast you can leave us a comment there let us know what you what shows you're looking forward to um which which of the new shows you've checked out and we're crazy for not liking or we are crazy for liking um, and you can also, of course, email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook to follow what's going on at Sound Insight TV. You can also, of course, leave us an iTunes rating or review. We would very much appreciate it. We have both an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed up in iTunes, and we always appreciate feedback there. You can also, of course, contact us on Twitter. Uh, I am at the Televerse. You are? At Sucker Howl. And Simon, what's our question of the week? Oh, this is back, huh? Yep. Well, if, like many of us, you're trapped in the winter apocalypse, uh, I'm wondering what is your escape route series? What helps you forget about all this nonsense outside my window right now, for instance? Okay. Let's see. My sister's been watching Justified. I've been watching all of the ridiculous uh, levels of screeners and and new shows that are coming out. What about you? (laughs) I've also been watching Justified. Um, I feel like... If if this keeps up, though, I may need something a little in a set in an even warmer uh, climate. I don't know if Kentucky's good enough. Okay, so maybe uh, do some uh, do a Lost rewatch. Oh no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll figure something out, but not that. Fair enough. Well, let us know what your picks are for television to help you forget about the winter apocalypse and uh, and uh, thank you. Sorry, everyone. the the polar vortex. The Polar Vortex. Okay, the Polar Vortex. Thank you, Simon. Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. the premiere you know in spoilerly in spoilery death in in an all spoilerathon uh but uh in spoiler damn it in spoilery spoilery depth in spoilery depth but no nothing bueller what just happened i don't know i'm pretty sure you what? froze in time what just happened yeah weird let me do yep. that over uh, it, it I, I could okay. Think about what I'm about to say, and then look. Imagine how you, looking frozen in time, appear to me. Um, all anyone wants to know, Kate, is: Are these teens sexy? <laughs> <laughs>